You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Viking star. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to another historical pie chart edition. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Of Purple Daily here. Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Uh, the show is presented by our friends over at TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution at an affordable cost. Learn more at TCL.com. Inspire greatness with TCL. Today's historical pie chart. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Is a look back almost two decades ago at the Vikings-Packers wild card playoff game from the 2004 season in which I believe I believe Judd was a Packers beat writer for this game for the yeah, Star Tribune, right? Yeah, it was my swan song on the Packers beat because I transitioned to join Kevin Seifert on the wow. Vikings beat in 2005. So this was the this was the last game I covered the Packers for and it was also the game that triggered the decision to uh, make Ted Thompson the GM and Mike Sherman just the coach, which, of course, okay. was the end for Sherman. It was then only a question of time. And then he coached one more year, and then they fired him for McCarthy. Yeah. Mike McCarthy. But they they were trying to get Brad Childress. Yeah, supposedly. They? That's what Brad said. Brad said that, Brad said that uh, he would have, uh, if they had allowed him to leave here, he would have gone to Green Bay. And his exact words, I think, to the St. Paul Chamber of Commerce would, was, I would have gotten that job. That's debatable. But uh, yes, because the Vikings, the Vikings 2005 was rough. It wasn't terrible. And if I recall, the Packers 2005 was atrocious. Yeah, the, the Packers had a couple weird periods where it looked like they were kind of coming to like early 2000s and then again, like 2005, but then they would always kind of pop back up. And uh, there's a lot to get into here. So this is this is my pie chart today. Judd, you did the pie chart. We're doing it's pie chart week here, historical pie chart week. You did yesterday's, and then I know Declan just got done watching Minneapolis Miracle, so we'll sprinkle that in with a couple other ones this week. If you're if you have found this maybe later on, like months and months later, these are going to be relevant. These are this is going to be like kind of our little uh, what do they call it when you bury like a box in the backyard, a time capsule. Time capsule. Yeah, it's like part of our Vikings time capsule here. Absolutely. And um, before we get to the actual pie here, we're going to lay out kind of the the scene for what this game represented, presented also by Federated Mutual Insurance Company, by the way. Federated's been around for over 100 years, helping businesses maximize their level of success. Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. And these four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making at Federated and by extension with the work they do for your business. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. So after losing to the Packers twice in the 2004 regular season, 34-31 to both times, mind you, 
the Vikings get their revenge in this game, going into Lambeau Field, a 31 to 17 victory in the wild card round. It was 27 degrees. The footing was awful. Kickers were having trouble on both sides. This is the Randy Moss mooning game as well. We're going to get into all of these tentacles. But the crazy thing about the lead-up to this game is this was the second year in a row the Vikings started as one of the best, hottest teams in the league. So 2003, they started 6-0 and and then fell on their face and missed the playoffs, right? All right, dust yourself off. Let's go back. Let's try this again in 2004. They start 5-1 and in 2004. Again, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. And they stumble and fall on their face. They backpedal into the playoffs with an 8-8 eight eight record. Really bad, weird vibes heading into this game because in a win and in game at Washington in Week 17, with time still on the clock, Randy Moss walked off the sidelines and off the field. And so there's turmoil, and they wind up losing the game, and they backpedal in because somebody else lost like 20 minutes later. And so you had all these weird vibes going in. Is it the end of the? Is Tice going to get fired? Are they going to get rid of Randy Moss? Which the answer was yes on both fronts at some point in the next 12 months. But uh, for this one week, the Vikings put all of that aside. They jump out to a 17 nothing lead, yep. kind of hang on for dear life in the middle quarters, and then dagger the Packers in the fourth quarter with the infamous Randy Moss 34-yard touchdown and mooning celebration that drove uh, Joe Buck to almost jump out of the press box. Well, because he had, he didn't understand what it was all about. But to go back yeah. to the game in Washington, not only did Moss decide to leave the field before the game was done, but Tice sent Burke to chase him down. Yeah. And Randy was having none of, of that. All week long, the beat guys had been basically saying that the Vikings have a chance to back into the playoffs. So in the locker room in Washington, Tice goes up to the writers, Starts to walk backwards and says, what am I doing? And they're like, what What are you doing, Mike? He said, I'm backing in the playoffs. <laughs> so, like, this was just all-time <laughs> classic Vikings dysfunction, but Ticey was funny. That yeah. period. So do you guys want do you guys want to do the Joe Buck thing real quick, or do you want to do, should we save that? Should I do the pie chart, and then we can do the Joe, because I have sure. some Joe Buck takes after watching this back. But. Pie chart, sure. then Joe Buck. Okay, the- okay. And, and just to, to contextualize this, not only was this the second consecutive year, the Vikings got off to a great start and then absolutely collapsed, which didn't cost them a playoff berth in 04 like it had in 03, but it was the second consecutive year the Packers didn't get off to a great start themselves. They started 1-4 and four wow. and then proceeded to go 9-2 and two to yeah. get to 10-6. and six. So, like, in both cases, it's like, oh, the Vikings are going to win the North for sure. And in both cases, the Vikings come unglued and the Packers actually surge. Amazing. So, all right, here we are. Six slices, gentlemen. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. We'll start with the smallest slices and work our way all the way up here. And maybe it's just, maybe I'm, this. the first slice is 5%, and maybe I'm giving this 5% out of hopefulness for this year's Vikings team. But I'm giving 5% to the running back by committee approach (laughs) by the Minnesota Vikings in this game and in this season. You have Mo Williams breaking a big screen pass for a touchdown. He had 72 receiving yards in this game. Mm-hmm. You had Ontario Smith breaking a big screen in the second half. He had 60 total yards in this game. Michael Bennett had 11 touches for over 40 yards. So between these three guys, you had over 170 yards of total offense. Different skill sets. Ontario Smith was your kick returner. So uh, 20 years later now, almost, there is hope 
some of these early 2000s Vikings teams that were between like Robert Smith and Adrian Peterson, you can be very effective with a three-headed monster, uh, multiple running back approach. And did you see who led the Vikings in rushing that day? Uh, Dante with 47, Dante, right? 47 yeah. yards. Yeah. yeah, in fact, Mo Mo had the screen pass that he took to the house to give the Vikings a 7 nothing lead. I don't think he had a carry. No, he didn't. He did so, not. like, he was, yeah, so, like, he was, this like, was the, a, he was like the third down back on that yeah. team. And he was really good at that role. But, like, it, yeah, it was such a different philosophy. Yes. So 5% running back by committee. They're just co- they're constantly rotating in fresh bodies, and it was very helpful in a high-intensity playoff game, right? All right, 10% to Ted Cottrell, the Vikings defensive coordinator in this game. I love Teddy. God, I love him. <laughs> Ted Cottrell received a Gatorade bath at the end of this game. <laughs> Now, mind you, the Vikings had one of the worst defenses in the league in the regular season. I think they were like the 28th-ranked defense. I don't know if that's scoring or yardage, but they set it off the top of the Fox broadcast. But they pressured Brett Favre all day long. They picked off four different passes. They had exotic looks. You had guys like, here's a, some blast from the past names. You had you know, uh, Antoine Winfield coming on corner blitzes. You had Dontarius Thomas, the linebacker, E.J. Henderson, was a young linebacker here just sending everyone from all different angles. Uh, and after giving up 68 points in two games to the Packers in the regular season, Ted Cottrell and the Vikings defense hold the Packers at home, by the way, to just 17 points. So he gets the he gets a, Gator, a Gatorade bath after a wild card round win. <laughs> he was great, though. He was such a character, too. But, yeah, I, th- that game was... Impressive, and I, I don't know if the Packers weren't like if the Packers took them li- lightly or the Vikings just played that well, but it did snowball. So, like, there's two far meltdowns possible. The first one is the, the one we've all seen a bunch, which is just this awful pass, and we'll certainly talk about that in the Saints look back at 2009. But the, the other far one that we saw, it was actually the season opener, I want to say 2003, when they reopened the renovated Lambo, and this game when Favre would have the meltdown games. He, he had one of those against the Rams in yeah. St. Louis as well. I think he threw like five picks that day. But like where it would just go south, and it didn't sort of like, oh, man, he's struggling. It's like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. I think I think it was his last two playoff games in Lambeau as a Packer Are was this one and the infamous Giants one where he just had two games where he threw like a combined 10 interceptions. Like, I mean, he was awful in both those games. Yeah, the Giants one, that's where Tom Coughlin's face is still frostbitten to this day. Yeah. And and Favre looked like he wanted nothing to do with overtime or anything and throws the pick six. That terrible pass he threw uh, that, that I think set up the Tynes field goal, if I'm not mistaken, was that an out route? Like mm-hmm. it was a, he tried to, he would have so much confidence and his arm was great. Don't get me wrong. But like he would overvalue in crucial positions the fact that like these guys are still good. Yeah. And he would sling these passes. It's like, what are you doing? But and anyway, that, this was a meltdown. It's a good segue into the third slice of pie here. The pie chart of the Rock knows his, how you feel about pie. Pie chart of historical praise here for a Vikings playoff win, and ten percent does go to Brett Favre as the Packers quarterback. Yeah. So, as great as the Vikings defense was in terms of just let's let's th- it's the third time we're facing these guys. Let's give them some different looks, whatever. Favre threw some really bad momentum killing interceptions here, and. To kind of piggyback off what Jeb was saying, it was classic Favre. So they're, they're behind. He feels like, oh, we're down by 17 or we're down, down by 10 or even when they're down by 7 or whatever it was you know, throughout the game. 
he feels like he's got to jam a pass into a non-existent window as opposed to just like, let's just keep let's keep playing the game here, okay? Right. If you just keep playing the game, the Vikings defense is atrocious. You'll probably score the, you know, the, the requisite uh, amount of points. So the Vikings wind up with four different guys picking off Brett Favre. Another great blast from the past set of names here. So Antoine picked a pass off. Mm-hmm. Brian Russell had an interception. Brian Williams had yeah. an interception. And Ralph Brown coming in for like an injured, I don't even know who, Corey Chavis? I don't know. Oh, Ralph Brown wound up picking off. Was he a safety? Corey Chavis was a safety. And I think Ralph no. Brown, I thought, was he a he corner? Was a, I thought he was a corner. Looks okay. like he was a defensive back, yeah. So I don't know, he, he picked off a pass at some point. Probably his only playoff interception, I'm guessing. But uh, 10% to Brett Favre just deciding, I'm going to try and open some windows that aren't open right now. Just for being horrific? Yes. All right, 15%. Three more slices here. 15%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. To Randy Moss. Not quite the whatever it was, 40% Judd gave him for the 98 Thanksgiving game. He was banged up in this one. Clearly was unhappy with the way the season had played out. Was he also unhappy with his contract at the time? Was oh, that a God. reason why they traded him? I don't think so. Hmm. He, they, he was, this was his this was his second left. to last game as a Viking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was unhappy with his contract when he came back here from the Patriots, and they didn't give him a new one. I don't recall now. Now I was not on the beat at that time, as we talked about. I was in the Packers, but I don't recall the contract being a problem. I think that it was just a disgruntlement and, and the walking off the field thing. Because if you go back. Tice, when he replaced Green, had come in with the Randy ratio and all of that. Like, this was all supposed to make. And the ultimate thing with Moss is eventually he'd get pissed off at you, right? Yeah. And so I think this was sort of the last leg of, and and you're probably right in, in this. My guess is Red didn't want to pay him. Well, he's what, trying to sell. You know what's funny? If you go back and, and listen to the commentary in the 98 Thanksgiving game, they spend time at the beginning raving about, you know, it's the 10 and one Vikings and boy, what a game changer. Reb McCombs now owning this team has changed everything. He yep. gave Denny a new contract. He gave raises to all the assistants and how quickly the shine wore off on that because he wound up getting really cheap, really fast. And, and you can probably speak to this more than I could, but toward the end of the Tice run, wasn't there a huge issue with the Vikings just had like underpaid, underqualified staff members and coaches, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, Steve Loney in 2005 was the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like the offensive line coach is a full-time job. You're in charge well, of yeah. five. Like, like there's no, oh, I can cheat that. And, and they went from, you know, from a staff that, I don't know if it was ever really well paid with Red, but it was certainly probably representative. Once Tice came in, they were paying nothing, and including Mike. I mean, Mike didn't break the bank, so that's yes. why he had to sell Super Bowl tickets for yep. you know. It's, you're not wrong entirely, but there was a but. But by the point that that we're talking about now, yes, Red being cheap had become an enormous problem. Yeah, and so so back to Moss for a second here because he's the the fifteen percent slice of pie. He was limping around. He had a bad ankle. He ro- he walked off the field in week 17. He's coming to the end of his Vikings career here, and they're going to make one of the dumbest trades in Minnesota sports history because they got a first-round pick oh. and a bad linebacker, and they turned it into Troy Williamson. 
yeah. the pick. But he does wind up getting open in classic Moss fashion for two touchdowns here. Uh, one that kind of broke the game open early, and then the other one that sealed the game halfway through the fourth quarter. And he, and he wanders over to the goalpost, fakes like he's pulling his pants down, does the dance. Let's save that discussion for after the pie chart. 15% to Randy Moss. 20% slice of pie. Two more left here. knows how you feel about pie. So probably the peak moment in this guy's coaching career, Mike Tice. Yep. Mike Tice. He, yep. For the lack of resources and for just kind of having to deal with the cantankerous Randy Moss, I think Mike Tice, I'm not saying he's Bill Belichick, you know, but Mike Tice was a pretty good head coach. Pretty good head coach. He could coach offense. You know, I think he was a, a likable fella. When things were going off the rails, it became kind of tough for him, but he had one week to pull this team together. All the things we've already said, right? They backed their way in. They lost like seven of the last nine games to finish the season. Randy Moss has pissed off the entire locker room, and you got one week, guy, to (laughs) figure out how to bring everyone together and put together a game plan that's going to work here. And so one of his tactics that week, according to the Fox broadcast, was a full padded, full contact <laughs> practice. That's in my notes. A full contact, full padded <laughs> practice. Tackling. They're tackling each other midweek. It's January. Oh, my God. And then I'm sure he had something to do with maybe, you know, helping with the defensive game plan, bring extra pressure to fluster Brett Favre. But Mike Tice pushed all the right buttons. Now, because of all this, they might have been completely gassed going to Philadelphia for the divisional round, and they got smoked. But. Credit to Mike Tice for doing what he had to do to get that team ready to come out and blow the doors off Green Bay. I mean, from 2002, 2003, 2004, the Vikings offense was second, first, and fourth in yards. And they were a top 10 scoring offense, too, in all of those seasons. So, I mean, he could definitely coach offense, 100%. Yep. I, I remember this bit like briefly as a kid, and I'm now confirming it on Pro Football Reference. He only won eight out of 32 challenges, which is 25%. <laughs> That's... Coach- that's pretty bad. Pa- Patrick re- referred to him in the Star Tribune as Coach Flaggy. Pat was telling us that story on yeah, Unchained. Throw the flag yeah. all the time. He get well. Well, guess what? He was Zim before Zim. He would look at the scoreboard and get pissed off and throw the flag. It's like, he'd, dude, he'd that's not how this the, works. The result of a play didn't go the right yeah. way, right? He'd toss the flag and get all <laughs> mad. And Declan's right. It was like, ah, oh, no, no, no. Now, now, the one thing to keep in mind though is this is also the second to last game, not just for Moss, Scott. Lenahan, second to last game as OC. And that's where it went sideways. Supposedly, and Scott was a smart guy, ended up as uh, head coach of the Rams. Yeah. But this, supposedly the story was he was the magic elixir for Culpepper. And he's the one that basically, with Dante, said, we're going to split the field into four parts. We're going to keep this as simple as possible, and you're going to be very good. And 2004, to go back, was phenomenal. So, like, they... I think the biggest loss going into 2005, certainly Moss hurt, but I think the biggest loss was Linehan's ability to call plays and coach offense was yeah. huge for Tice. And with that gone, you know, Culpepper, before he got hurt, got off to a god-awful start in 2005. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, what what would have become of Culpepper if he hadn't shredded the knee? Would it, would it just have been, oh, he had a bad first half and he, and he would have bounced back? But, like, let's say he doesn't shred the knee – now, contractually, it might have gone off the rails regardless because, you know, he, he uh, had staged in 2005 that one-day Wildcat walkout. But let's just say from a football standpoint, 
how much would Chile have got fr- from him? I'm not saying that that he, yeah. he wouldn't have been good, but I'm but like like I think of if Kevin O'Connell could have gotten Culpepper in Culpepper's prime, I'm pretty damn sure it could have been special. Oh. Like what would Chile have? Because Chile claims, you know, I took the job. I thought I had a franchise QB. Culpepper was going to be my guy, but he was still going to come in and run his system. Yeah, and he wasn't going to deviate from that. Well, so he- that's a really Good question. He was in love with T-Jack, who was an athletic guy with a humongous arm. I mean, Dante Culpepper, at his peak, was an athletic guy with a humongous arm that nearly won an MVP award. Like, so to me, that's kind of how I would look at it. And I know maybe he wanted to, maybe he really wanted to mold a guy, right? Like, some guys just really want to draft their own quarterback and mold him as their own project. He wanted Culpepper. He did want Dante. My problem is this, though. Just like with T-Jack. I don't think T-Jack ever really got a fair chance because Brad said, I like I like how you're built, so we're going to wow. plug you into what I do. I've never heard this take from you. The West, dude, this this old school West Coast philosophy that you will get into my system. I mean, Dante Culpepper, look, Lenahan gave Dante the opportunity to thrive at what Dante did by simplifying the game. He didn't force him to do things. Brad forced his guys to do things. And that's my point is, and I'm not saying T-Jack would have been great, but as Declan just said, athletic guy with a huge arm, those things really weren't used. I mean, how many times, Phil, did Brad sit there and talk to us about Tavares needing to improve at things like spitting out the play, the verbiage? (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? I just, I'm just saying, and by the way, my, my sick slice of pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Is 40% to Dante Culpepper, which I'll come back to that. But I don't, I just want to. You and I have been doing shows together for like a decade. I don't know if I've ever heard the Tavares Jackson never received a fair shake take from you. This is a this is a brand new like that's package years take later. That's just been you know sitting what this in the is? closet. This, this is a breaking piece of this show that I'm bringing back as a callback to a time. Well, the more, <laughs> but the more I think about it, and the more I see, especially now, because I think back then it was different. The more that you see coaches like O'Connell, who definitely have opinions and ideas and philosophies, right? But what does he do? He also adjusts. Yeah, what do you feel comfortable doing? Right, right? which That's... we've talked about a thousand times. You know, Declan nailed Tavares' skill set. In no way, shape, or form did being focused on spitting out the West Coast. You know, and that West Coast verbiage, we can laugh about it, but it's huge. It's a it's, mouthful, as Brad Childress mouth, yes. used to say. So you're telling me, so you're telling me that you drafted this guy, and instead of saying, "Okay, dude, you do a lot of things well," you might not do X, Y, and Z. And I like X, Y, and Z, but to win, I'm going to have to move off that. I pulled up a West Coast offense playbook here. Incredible. I mean, it is. Uh, it's what Farb. It is now. a mouthful. Brown right F short two jet flanker drive on two on two break. Yeah, it's. I think. Well, I'll give you the Dante thing here just to wrap the the pie chart of praise for this game. Everything. I mean, he definitely had the ability to to go cold for stretches and throw a bunch of interceptions. He was a fumble machine in his career. So, you know, when you're talking about like the floor of a player, Dante's floor is a lot lower than say Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins isn't going to lead the league in interceptions and fumbles in a season. Right. Although he had fumbling issues early in his career too, but. But this was a game where you saw the absolute best qualities of Dante. You saw the arm in the cold. You saw the big body and mobility. 
Some of the plays were schemed bootlegs and rollouts. Some of them were schemed runs. Some of them were just get out of the pocket, find up. But then there's other times where and the offensive line was pretty good during this era, too. You had, like, Matt Burke as a pro bowler, Bryant McKinney. I mean, you had some – David Dixon was, I think, still on this team. I think I saw David Dixon running around there. Um, so you had a good offensive line, but then when the pocket would break down, he's a house. Like, you – you're not going to have these situations right. where a one defensive lineman comes through and like gets an arm on his shoulder pad. Like you needed, you needed full body, three hundred pounds to take him down, and he winds up throwing for two eighty four, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran seven times for forty seven yards, kept drives alive, and he was the second best quarterback in the NFL in two thousand four, and he crushed the Packers during this time period too. I want to say that. If you took like his last four games against the Packers or something, it was like 16 touchdown passes, no interceptions. And he just, at his peak, he was just one of the best. And you do kind of wonder because we, we rave about Anthony Richardson and all this, like the, you know, the relative athletic score. That was Dante 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Yep. What would he look like in today's NFL with a Kevin O'Connell, right? I mean, he was dominant in that version of the NFL. Mm-hmm. What would he look like with? Justin Jefferson and some of these guys today. Now, have he had Randy Moss, so he definitely had weapons. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, this peak Dante Culpepper, forty percent carried the Vikings in this game. Mike Tice twenty percent, Randy Moss fifteen, Brett Favre ten percent for just being an interception howitzer, ten percent Ted Cottrell, the defensive coordinator, and five percent running back by committee. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So. Offensive line that day, Bryant McKinney at left tackle. Chris Lewinsky at left Lewinsky. guard. Matt Burke at center. You're right. David Dixon at right guard. And Mike Rosenthal at right tackle. Okay. Mike Rosenthal. Some names, man. Greg Beaker was on that team. Um, but Beaker just to be, was at Lance Johnstone was on yeah, that team. Yeah. Just to be clear on, on Jackson, I'm not saying I think that he, he would have been great. I'm saying I don't think we ever saw if he could have been good. He probably would have been a first round draft pick in retrospect. I know he went to what, like Arkansas State. So yep. I guess and maybe he... that maybe that would have prevented him from But in today's NFL, I feel like you would have built something around him as opposed right. to trying to jam him into like the Donovan McNabb offense that Brad Childress was around, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I just think that there's and, and I'm but I guess at that point in Culpepper's career, if he had been healthy and come back here for Childress is he far enough along where Childress doesn't screw him up or, again, by asking him to do West Coast things? Because, I mean, that's the short passing game followed by a deep threat, you know, establishing the run. And and would, would Childress have been too concerned about Dante fumbling to run the ball? Would Childress not have cared? I think, I think McNabb in his prime certainly ran, right? Yeah. So, like, bit. just a lot of questions there with Culpepper and and again it's really the last guy that this team drafted who could have been considered anything close to a franchise quarterback yeah super interesting there's uh there's a few other things here to get into including I I think I'm gonna walk back one of my Joe Buck takes from recently after watching this game back I want to throw that at you guys but let's shut out our friends at Livia for helping Purple Daily listeners lose a lot of weight, and we want to hear your stories too. If you've if you've gone down the Livia route before, that is uh, that is one thousand percent right. If you want to go from looking like Sports Dad on the left, a little chunky there, got to admit it, to looking like Sports Dad on the right, ooh, looking good in that suit. Uh, it's as oh, simple John. as this. Oh, hey. Is he Paul Bear? Uh-huh. 
And if you want the first eight weeks for free, contact them now, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-Livia.com. And as Phil just said, we also want to hear your stories because we know a lot of folks uh, in our PD community have tried this plan and have uh, sent us notes previously that it works. Send us a note to share, share L-I-V-E-A, Livia at scorenorth.com. And you will be you will receive a Score North prize pack. In fact, I've got one here quickly. Steve checked it. Steve said Steve. Steve, Steve, who's been had great success, said, I just want, wanted to keep you updated on how things are going. I just had my in-body appointment today, and I'm happy to report that I'm down a total of 45.2 pounds Whoa. and 25 and a half from my goal. I can't wait to hit that goal to shake your hand and say thank you for the encouragement and helping me live a better life. Wow. If you want to be like Steve, again, Livia.com is where it starts. Folks, I'm telling you, the program works. The support is fantastic. Steve, that is that is awesome. Congratulations, man. 45 Steve. pounds. Yeah, hit us up with your stories here. Uh, also, if you're looking for a great lunch spot or just a spot that's awesome in the North Loop of Minneapolis, 3Jack has become one of our favorite places here. Yeah, it's got golf sims. It's got a great selection of beers and a great lunch menu as well. In fact, they got summer beer dinner series coming up this week. They're going to team up with some local breweries, some of my favorites. They got Prize Brewery. They got Inbound. They have uh, Bent Paddle that'll be there as well. They're featuring food pairings with brews from local favorites. And, of course, their great burger series this week, boys. We got a blue rooster burger, blue cheese Rooster aioli, crispy onion, uh, barbecue pickles. I mean, come on, that's the best type of burger you can have there. You can book those. Uh, yeah, you can book also a, a bay if you want. If you want to get some swings in at threejack.com to learn more about all these happenings and going on, go to threejack and threejack.com. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines. And whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom. And it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So, okay, on the Joe Buck thing for a second here. You know, his infamous comments, Randy Moss goes over and does the the fake mooning and Joe Buck calls it a disgusting act. And it's unfortunate that we had that on our air. Yes. And in the moment as a college kid, I was like everybody else, like Joe Buck hates the Vikings. Right. And then I feel like as I matured, got a little older, consumed a lot more Joe Buck over the years. I felt like, I don't know, it wasn't his shiniest, uh, shiniest moment by any means, but people are just generally too hard on Joe Buck. He had a mm-hmm. he had a weird outburst in that game, but he's usually pretty damn good. After consuming that full game, he was so condescending compared to where he is now. Like his oh, to- yeah. his yes. tone now, and he's he's a yes. you know he's like a fifty five sixty year old guy now. He's so much more fun and light, and I mean, yeah, the guy's made. $20 million a year for 20 years. Like he walks a little lighter now. There was just a weird chip on his shoulder during this entire game, during the pregame introductions as the players are like, so the, the game starts and then now they're going to put the defensive players on the screen, right? Introduce everyone. And he goes, these Vikings linebackers are big and they have a tendency to get confused. Like <laughs> when have you ever heard a play-by-play guy say something that aggressive, that these are big, dumb linebackers basically that have a, a tendency to get confused. 
So that that really stood out that it wasn't just that comment. It was just his general demeanor was a lot more condescending than I remember compared to now anyways. So if you go back and watch Buck, um, both doing baseball and football for Fox back then, and he's my age. So he, he was born in April of 69. So he just turned 54. I'll turn 54 in November. Uh, but if you go back and watch that, those old school games from Joe Buck, the condescending thing is a thousand percent correct. It is like yeah. like, and people hated that. And people, the problem is that became the, the impression of Joe Buck. Yeah. To where like now it's changed. But if you watch the open for for that game too, look at how young Aikman and Buck and Collinsworth, point, dude. Collinsworth was in that booth. Here's a guy who's in the Fox <laughs> booth. Okay, that's another one, Collinsworth. So this is this is you know 19 years ago, and that that Almost booth, fun. by the way, you had the freaking. You had Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Chris Collinsworth as a three-man booth. Yep. Collinsworth was so much more critical of players and teams and coaches in 2004 oh, than yeah. he is now. Now it's like a, people make fun of him because oh, here's a guy. I love all these guys, right? He just talks about how much he loves football. And then he would, like every time he would chime in, it was to poke at someone or to, or to just flat-out crap on somebody. So... Yeah, like the whole tone, Aikman was kind of, Aikman was a little more critical, but the general tone was condescending, poking, criticizing a lot more than you would hear now on like Sunday and Monday Night Football. I feel like too, he's he's kind of gotten over that. I think he's even addressed it in like post interviews and stuff over the years. And I mean, I was just watching back the Minneapolis Miracle too, which by the way, I don't think I have watched that start to finish. I was there live for it, but I don't believe I've watched that game start to finish. And just... Even looking back at where he was five years ago to obviously listening to games, you know, every year now, he's good. And to be honest, you know, Phil, you were in college. I was like 11, 12 years old when this game was played. Like, I'm as an 11 year old, and if, if you get the opinion when you were a teenager of, oh, screw that guy because he said this dumb thing when I was 12, and now you're 30 years old and you're still holding on to a, a grudge from when you were a teenager, I, yeah. would, uh, I would recommend maybe growing up a little bit and just kind of understanding too that he's actually a pretty damn good play by play guy. And and I agree with everything you just said with the sprinkling of he has changed a lot in 20 years. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he kind of was a prick, to be honest, <laughs> in 2004. And so some of that angst was warranted. Uh, and, I, and I'll never forget, like, it was around that time or a couple of years later, there was a Cardinals-Mets, like, NLCS game. And there was an eighth inning, somewhat like the Mets left fielder robbed a freaking home run in a one-run game, like, on the doorstep of the World Series. And the way he called it was as if, Almost like his dad would call something that he's seen for 50 years, right? It's like fly ball, you know, left field, caught. Like it was, like it was as if he, I've, I've seen better than this, right? That I feel like that was his tone a lot back in that day. So, so yeah, yeah. like get over it if you were mad, but he's changed as well, I guess. Well, his call that the Dex is talking about on the Miracle Game is one of the best I've ever heard. Yep. Like, that is one of the best use of, of as few words as possible, but yet it sets a scene. Steps into it. Pass is caught! Dex! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Yeah. I mean, that is phenomenal. But so there, there's a few things with Buck, though, to go back. First of all, he was, as I think, an 18th birthday gift. He, he was with his dad in the booth for a Cardinals radio game, I think, in Shea Stadium. And as a gift, his dad walked out of the booth and said, you're up. So, like, I mean, we're talking about a guy that was privileged as you can get. It doesn't make him a bad person, but I'm saying that that, that 
trended towards things. And if you go back to, I think the, I think he really changed his tune on life with, with the with the uh, hair plug incident when he became addicted to hair plugs, and then it affected. He had that vocal cord meltdown, and Was like that related sure to if, his hair plugs. It might have been, but anyway, the point is, like these were all very serious things, and the vocal cord thing. They at one time weren't, weren't sure if he could come back and work. So, like, I mean, it was almost all taken away. And yeah. I feel like after that, he really changed things. And plus, he got humbled in a huge way by that HBO debacle. Yeah. Where he tried to replace Costas. And who who was the comedian? Artie, somebody who Artie went Lang. on. Artie Lang. Yeah, and yeah. just destroyed him. And he, I think he thought that he could hack that. And so, like, Joe's had a lot of things that have probably put him in his place. But the greatest part about that call, talk about fans being pissed, you guys. Red McCombs was so incensed, he spent the week trying to get Joe Buck removed from the Philadelphia game. <laughs> I wrote it about was, it. It was really, time. dude, it was like, I was, I was really excited to get to that point in the game. It was out of place. His, his anger and vitriol was so, and I get it was a different era. Like maybe we're just used to more, smutty things on TV now than we were in 2004, but even Aikman and Collinsworth tried to move quickly, but they didn't stay on it at all. Like Buck makes the, oh, that's, that's a disgusting act. <laughs> I'm sorry that even had to air on our channel. And Aikman's like, just getting back to the play for a second here. You know, let's, let's look at what actually happened on the play, but it, it felt, it felt personal, oddly personal with, I don't know if he got blown off by Randy Moss or something, or if he just, yeah, it did. you're right. It just well, felt like, yeah. wow, that was, yeah, I mean, it, first of all, it wasn't disgusting. It was just a guy having fun, and it wasn't, he didn't actually pull his pants down. So it it it, it, it kind of made me stop, even though I've seen and heard it a million times. Like, wow, that felt, that's like, that, like that, that, that feels like there was something that happened behind the scenes between him and Randy Moss, and now it's playing out in this form, I guess. It's weird, too, because Moss scores the touchdown in the corner of the end zone, runs to by the goalpost, and does that, and Collinsworth, has the first word after the play-by-play gets done because he said, and Moss shoots the moon and sort of yeah. starts to laugh. And then to your point, Buck like just storms in with that's disgusting. Disgusting. And Despicable. we found out that that was because Packer fans would moon the Vikings bus at Lambeau as the bus left. Yep. Like it yep. was just a bit. Yep. And Buck obviously didn't know that context or he probably would have reacted differently right. or maybe he would have colored it in with context. So uh, one other thing from my notebook here in this game. So the Vikings kicker was 44-year-old Morton Anderson in this game. 44 years. The guy entered the league in 1982, and he was the Vikings kicker here. This is January of 2005. He was so bad. So he, he, he first of all, he slipped on a 27-yarder, which you could kind of blame the turf, I guess. But, like, you know, guys have played on bad turf before. He slipped and fell on his keister for a 27-yarder, and they wind up eating it. And then he, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he almost came up short on a 35-yard field goal early in the game. It literally hit the back of the crossbar on a 35-yard field goal. (laughs) Yeah, he he couldn't kick within 40 yards, right? I mean, he was... He he didn't attempt a field goal over 49 yards that entire season. They just didn't even try. And the field, from the start of the show, Phil... The field was in terrible shape, and the wind whips around that bowl. So yeah. the wind was probably a, a factor. But, yeah, the Vikings, I mean, how many guys, and some are good, 
How many old kickers has this team had? Jan Stenerud at one point. Morton and Gary Anderson at one point. Like, they recycled every, you know, every old kicker that they could find. And then, yeah. of course, I believe, I believe if I'm not mistaken, in 2005, Paul Edinger, one of the strangest guys I've ever covered, came in and kicked and beat the Packers with, like, what, a 55-yard field goal at the Metrodome in the regular season. His mechanics turn turn your back to the to the goalpost. And I don't talk about man. <laughs> oh man! Um, so there's your your pie chart of praise here for a pretty big moment in that era of Vikings football, going into Lambeau Field and, and winning a playoff game. Uh, let's shout out our friends at Finch Home Solutions. You know, Finch uh, very supportive of the purple and anyone who is a purple fan, Judd. Yep, and if you call call them, guess what? That van, that purple-colored van is going to show up, and here's the thing. You are going to know that you have, when it comes to electrical work, electrical issues at your house, the best team in town outside your door, courteous, professional, fast installation, repair, inside, outside, project size. They can do it all. In fact, they also have 24-7 service if there's an emergency, but the fact is, if you're having a big project done or a small one, Finch Home Solutions, they are the people to call, 612-357-2604 or finchhomesolutions.com. Finch Home Solutions is going to take care of any electrical issues that you might have. And, of course, send tell them that uh, Purple Daily sent you and talk some Vikings as well because they all love the Vikings. Amen. All right, guys, there it is. Your historical pie chart of praise for the Vikings beating the Packers. Uh, Be on the lookout for more of these episodes. And and we're going to stockpile all of them on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, too, on that homepage. You can scroll down and see all of our sort of historical lookbacks at uh, different moments in Vikings history. We'll see you guys next time.